0: After the new age of enlightenment. Begin. What is at stake is more
1: than one small country. It is a big idea. A new world order. It's no longer a theory. What I'm about to say is fact. The secret organizations of the world power elite are no longer secret. They have planned and are now leading us into a one-world communist government. Welcome, useless eaters, to the Odd Man Out podcast, where we talk about hidden history, political policy, occult deconstruction, economics, religion, and philosophy. I'm your rabbit hole aficionado, the Odd Man. Welcome. The affirmative task we have now is, uh, is to actually... Um, Uh, create uh, a new world order. Public policy could itself
0: become the captain of a scientific, technological elite.
1: And when that first cocaine was smuggled in on a ship, it may as well have been a deadly bacteria so much as it hurt the body, the soul of our country. But take my word for it, this scourge will stop. All right, guys, I wanted to give you something a little extra for being patrons, and I didn't get to do a full show this week because I am knee-deep in the research on two subjects, which I've kind of held back on talking about. I have mentioned the one, and that is I'm really getting into Mormonism, and I'm talking deep, really trying to pull out information that most people don't talk about. But not only that, for the last few weeks, I have been doing a deep, deep dive on the history of Zionism. And, of course, that leads you to modern Israel and Judaism. I'm really trying to understand the culture, the history, why things are the way they are now. Really, I started reading a book called Against Our Better Judgment and that really opened my eyes to the real history of Zionism and the Zionist movement. And it's just so much information that I think you guys will really enjoy. Although I know it's a sensitive issue, it's ridiculous that we can't talk about it and talk about the real history. So I'm going to do it, and whatever happens, happens, and I'll let the chips fall where they may. But I wanted to read something. You know, what I do with the show is I just talk about whatever I'm into at the time, and that's worked for me so far. And I really appreciate your interest, your support, and I thank you for putting up with me. So this special Patreon-only oddcast is going to be about a Jewish prophet, Shabbatai Zvi. And I'm going to read from a book called Mystic Trends in Judaism. And it was weird because I was at a used bookstore a few weeks ago in Chattanooga, And this book just jumped out at me. It was only a couple bucks. And I thought, well, you know, I'll get time to reading it, maybe. And I picked it up, and it was very interesting. So here is a chapter about Shabbatai Zvi, okay? The tragedy of the Shabbatai Zvi movement is presented in Jewish history as one of the tragedies of false messiahs. It was that indeed... But the question remains whether Shabbatai Zvi set out deliberately to deceive. The great Yiddish poet, Levik, who devoted his genius to the Messianic idea, once said that there were no false messiahs. All messiahs were true. Not false messiahs, but messiahs who failed. They had to fail in order to make room for new ones to come. Shabbatai Zvi did not deliberately deceive. He was not an adventurer, but one who failed. He was the Kabbalist who could not distinguish between reality and fantasy, between normal and abnormal. With his mystic flame, he roused among the people the belief that their sufferings were the Messianic birth pangs, and that the day of redemption had already come. From his earliest youth, Shabbatai had given himself up to the study of the Ares Kabbalah, He afflicted his body. He fasted so as to divest himself of the material and to enter the realm of the spirit. He lived at a time and in an environment full of messianic beliefs and feelings, emotions and hopes, when people were anticipating, trustfully, the end of days, when the bright Redeemer would come and put an end to the darkness on the earth. And now, it was the year Tov Chet which the Zohar indicated as the year of redemption. But instead of redemption, the year had brought massacres and destruction at the hands of the Kamilniki's Cossack hordes. Shebatai's V, like all the Kabbalists of his time, saw this terrible catastrophe as the heralding of the birth pangs of the bright Redeemer who would soon reveal himself to the world. Shabbatai's asceticism, His melodious voice, his magnetic presence, his eyes blazing with mystic fire, drew round him a band of enthusiastic followers and admirers, and they contributed to the misleading ideas ripening in his mind that he himself might be the favored one, the chosen, the redeemer, for whom the soul of the people had longed and prayed. Perhaps he was himself indeed the chosen one, the redeemer." He hinted at this intoxicating thought to those nearest to him, and they took up the idea rapturously and fortified him in this belief, and it happened. He, Shabbatai, ben Mordecai Zvi, was the one for whom the people of Israel had waited this long time. He would redeem the people from their sufferings, would end their wanderings and lead them back to the promised land of the patriarchs. He would bring the redemption. It is outside our present scope to deal with the question of the Shabbatai Zvi movement as a whole. What we want to do is indicate how passionately the Jewish people yearned for a deliverer, a redeemer, a great and wonderful man, a superman, who would fulfill all their dreams. And now the Jewish people could see in Shabbatai Zvi the concrete embodiment of their abstract ideas and hopes of redemption and the redeemer. The message that Shabbatai was the true Redeemer spread like wildfire through all the places where Jews lived and was received with frantic enthusiasm. Jewry was drunk with the news. The Messiah had come at last. The Redeemer was here. God had listened to their prayers, and he was sending them solace and recompense for their sufferings. A mad joy took hold of them. All sections of the Jewish people were infected by it. The simple folk, masses, and the intellectual giants of the age, great and renowned rabbis, tiny remote communities, and large and important Jewish settlements in the big centers of the world. Wherever Jews dwelled, they gathered in the synagogues, the Bataille, Midrash, and in the streets, and danced and sang. Messiah had come. Bands of prophets formed everywhere, as in the biblical days, and went about prophesying men and women who felt the Spirit of God upon them and proclaimed that Shabbatai Zvi was the Messiah. Notwithstanding the difficulties and the dangers of the journey, people set out near and far to make their way to the new Messiah, to see him and pay homage to him. All Jewry, that's a hard word to say, stood eager and prepared for the march to the land of Israel to liberate it. Adherents flocked to Shabbatai Zvi, and he won many devoted followers, and none more devoted than Nathan Ashkenazi Ghazadi, who became his prophet. Nathan had seen terrible things happen to Jews in Europe, especially in Poland. He associated those Jewish sufferings with the ideas in Kabbalah. He viewed them as the prelude to the coming Messiah. He made his way to Palestine to join Shabbatai there and he proclaimed him in writing sent far and wide as the true Messiah. He said that he had on the night of the Shavuath heard a voice from heaven declare, In a year and a few months from now, Messiah ben David will reveal himself. You should know, Nathan circulized the Jewish communities, that our Messiah was born in the town of Izmir or Smyrna, and he calls himself by the name of Shabbatai V. He will soon reveal his kingship before the whole world. He will take off the royal crown from the head of the king Ishmael, and he will set it upon his own head. And the sultan will follow him like an obedient slave, because the world belongs to Shabbatai. And one thing you got to know if you're not familiar with Judaism, there's several kinds of Judaism. There's Reform Judaism. You have the Hasidic Jews, the Habadists, which are similar to the Hasidic Jews. You have conservative Judaism. Now, you may not know, but Jews believe in the Torah, which is the first five books of the Old Testament. They don't believe in the New Testament. They don't believe that Jesus was a prophet or anything like that. They don't hold him in regard at all. They just think he was another guy who was talking nonsense. So they've been waiting all these years for the Messiah to come, and they don't believe in a peaceful Messiah they believe in a Messiah who's going to rule by the sword with the power of a king. And that's one of the reasons they didn't believe in Jesus, because he was peaceful, and they didn't believe in that. See, they still believe in the eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. And so that's just something you need to kind of put into context there. Now, I'll go ahead and read some more about this. Nathan's prophecy gained credence in all circles. People went delirious with joy. They gathered in crowds and they sang hallelujahs to the Messiah Shabbatai. They followed him crying, Shabbatai Zebi is the true King Messiah. Jews all over the world closed their businesses and went to follow Shabbatai. Shabbatai's scribe Samuel Primo sent letters to all Jewish communities in Asia, Africa, and Europe announcing the true Messiah had come, the time of miracles had arrived, and that they should prepare for great events. The letters were written in the form of royal proclamations. The movement grew. Reports went around that the entire people of Israel had risen and was moving towards the land of Israel, led by holy men and by strong men to liberate it from the Turks. Gluechel Hamelin, who lived at the time in Hamburg, relates in her memoirs, It's impossible to describe the joy that possessed us when we received the letters from Turkey. Most of the letters came to the Sephardim, and each time the letters were brought to the synagogue, they were read out loud. The Ashkenazim came there as well, young and old. The young Portuguese Sephardim put on their best clothes with a wide sash of green silk v s emblem. They went off to the synagogue with drums and cymbals as once of old at the festival of the drawing of the water, and they read out the letters that had been received. Others sold all their possessions and waited day by day for the redemption. My father in law, who lived in Hamelin, abandoned his house there with everything in it and went to Hildesheim. From there he sent us. Two big barrels of linen and food, peas, beans, smoked meats, dried fruits, and other things that will keep for a long time. The good man reckoned that we would go straight from Hamburg to the land of Israel. The barrels of food stood in the house for over a year, and in the end my father-in-law was afraid the food would go bad, so he wrote us to open the barrels and take out the food, so as not to spoil the linen. The barrels stayed there for three whole years, and my father-in-law still thought we would need them for the journey, but the Lord God had no wish to release us from exile. Now some of you guys, if you're older listeners, will remember me talking about how Ivanka Trump and Jared Kushner, the night before the election in 2016, went to the grave of this Rabbi Sneerson, And they're in the Orthodox Sect of the Chabad, which it looks like Chabad, but it's Chabad. And these are the guys that get deep into Kabbalah. And actually, the Kabbalah is a big part of Judaism as a whole. Now, the conservative Jews don't really get into the Kabbalah, and it's kind of mixed in the Reform Judaism, but the Hasidic Jews and the Heretic Jews. They definitely get into the Kabbalah, deep into the Kabbalah. And if you've seen some of the videos of these guys rocking back and forth in the streets, almost like they're in a trance, you know, they're into this mystical Kabbalah that they think they're communicating with God. So, anyway, uh, this Rabbi Sneerson was another one that they thought was the Messiah. He passed away, and some still think he's the Messiah. So, that tells you how desperate. They are for a Messiah. Yet the Messiah had already come. Now, let's look a little bit further because this gets pretty wild. The ending's really crazy. Glukel Hamelin has transmitted to us here the feeling that prevailed at the time among the Jewish folk, the masses, and among the leaders of the big Jewish communities of Western Europe, Ashkenazism and Sephardism alike. Obviously, This feeling was even more intense in Poland, where the Jews had not yet recovered from the terrible massacres and destruction under the Kamilniki. I'm probably pronouncing that incorrectly. The Messianic hope grew in Polish Jewry into a real mass movement. Jews abandoned their homes and possessions. They were sure that they would not need anything more. The redemption had come. The exile had ended. They would now go back to their own Jewish land and live there as free men. But, as we know, Shabbatai Zevi's movement ended tragically. When the time came for Shabbatai to confront the sultan and demand Palestine from him, his courage failed. He was not like Shlomo Molko, prepared to die as a martyr. He was not like Bar Kochba, to die heroically in battle. He submitted to the sultan and embraced the Islamic faith, and Jews all over the world tore their garments and mourned as for one who had died. The Jewish people were sunk in despair. Their hopes of redemption had miscarried. The spiritual blow of Shabbatazvi's conversion to Islam hit them as hard as the physical blow of Kamil Niki's pogroms. Jews began asking bitter questions. What good was their Judaism? Where was it leading them? Vanities of vanities. What was the use of anything? But despair did not last. The Jewish people shook it off. Their deep faith in God and His judgment was not overthrown. It survived even this disastrous delusion. The deeply wounded soul of the people did not cease to dream... And to see visions. When reality became too bitter, they turned for comfort to the hidden vision. They sought healing in the Kabbalah, the works of Isaiah Horowitz, Manasseh ben Israel, Abraham Herrera, and the like. That saved the Jewish people. The world of reality having become a veil of tears, the Jewish people sought refuge in another world a world of mystic dreams and fantastic visions. That mystical world became more real and more actual to them than the sad and painful reality. Shabbatai V had rocked and shaken the Jewish soul. It had upset its whole balance. But the spirit of national political redemption that he had evoked was not destroyed. When the Jewish people lost their hope in political messianism, They found solace in spiritual messianism. New mystics arose in the different corners of the Jewish dispersion who demanded that Jews should afflict their bodies, should fast and repent in order to bring nearer the coming of the true Messiah. In spite of all the disappointments, indeed because of them and in spite of them, faith in the true Redeemer must not be abandoned. Though he may tarry, he would come and fasting and repentance and prayer would hasten his coming. After Shabbatai apostasy, it might have been expected that the Jewish people would turn away with revulsion from this illusion and would denounce him as a traitor, a renegade, a blasphemer. But it did not happen like that. They had put too much hope and trust in the idea of the Messiah, and they had wanted too much to believe in him. And the whole story of Shabbatai apostasy seemed unbelievable. There were many Jews who just dismissed it as a lie made out by their enemies. They could not believe it. It was just too much. Even when it became certain that the news of Shabbatai Zvi's apostasy was true, many Jews tried to find excuses and explanations. It was not the Messiah who had apostatized, they said, but a shadow, a phantom, who had taken on his appearance. The true Shabbatai Zvi had ascended to heaven and would soon return and reveal himself through fresh miracles. The Shabbatai Zvi's legend took on the form of a Jesus Christ death and resurrection. In this way, the belief in Shabbatai Zvi lingered on. Shabbatai Zvi's sect grew up in numbers of Jewish communities, mostly in the Turkish provinces and in Italy. In Poland, too. Many Jews continued to believe in Shabbatai Zvi for decades after his apostasy. Secret groups formed in a number of Polish towns and sent messengers to Salonika, which was the center of the Shabbatai Zvi movement, to discover all they could about the new faith. The messengers came back with the glad news that the Messiah would soon reappear. He had suffered a temporary defeat because of the sins of the world, and he would finally triumph over them. One of those who believed in the Shabbatai V's speedy return was the capitalist Chaim Malik, who established close contact with the leaders of the Shabbatai Zvi movement in Salonika. He conducted an active Shabbatai Zvi propaganda campaign in Poland, not openly because the official Jewish leaders would have excommunicated him, but in small secret groups. He had taught that Shabbatai Zvi was the true Messiah and the Jews must repent and must mortify their flesh and cleanse and purify themselves to clear the way for his return. There was also Yehuda Shasid, mystic and ascetic, who preached to the Jewish communities in Poland on the lines of the Ares Kabbalah, that great miracles would soon occur and the Messiah would come. He did not mention Shabbatai Zvi by name, but he preached a Messianic hope as such, and he gathered around him a circle who endeavored by fasting and mortifying the flesh to hasten the end of days. When the number of these reached 1,500 souls, they set out with the Yehuda and Chamalik at their head for Palestine to welcome the Messiah there. They were bitterly disappointed. Messiah did not appear. They were plunged once again into despair. Yehuda took it to heart and died a broken man. His group, deprived of his inspiration and leadership, dispersed, and most of them drifted sadly, one by one, back to their old homes. Some joined the Shabbatai Zvi sect in Turkey, or the Donmei, and became Moslems. Others who returned to Poland became Christians. Chaim Malik stayed on for a while in Jerusalem, till the rabbis of the Holy Land drove him out. He returned to Poland, and soon after, he died there. It was not the end of the Shabbatai Zvi movement, however, neither in Poland nor in Italy nor elsewhere, but the rabbis and the leaders of the Jewish community opposed it bitterly, ostracizing everyone who was under the slightest suspicion of Shabbatai Zviism. The hostility went so far that it extended to one of the brightest figures who appeared at the time in Italian Jewry, the poet and Kabbalist Mosef Chaim Luzzato. So that's it for Shabbatai Zvi, and he lived from August 1626 to September 17th, 1676, so now you know the timeline, and I've seen that name a lot looking around when you look into Kabbalah and Judaism and Zionism and different things like that, I've seen that name bantered about, so I just wanted to kind of uh, do this quick show As kind of a way to say thank you, and because I haven't got a whole new show out this week. and This is a patron-only exclusive show, and I just want to thank you for your continued support. I am spending way more time than ever digging deeper into these subjects, and I'm really trying to give you guys something that you can take with you forever. You know, I talk about things being evergreen, and so I wanted to do some shows that you can take with you and remember in the coming months, years, the rest of your life even, if you want to. Because knowledge is key, and the right kind of knowledge is key. It's not just this Gnosticism of certain sacred knowledge is key. It doesn't have to be sacred. It's just any knowledge that you don't know, once you learn it, you're a better person for it, because at least you know what it's about and you can have a conversation about it. And if you hear it mentioned, you have a little bit of information to know what's being said and what's being talked about. So I just want to thank you guys once again for supporting me. I know this was kind of kooky and off the wall as far as the subject goes, but hopefully you got some enjoyment out of it. And I hope you're having a good week. And the next show will be about Mormonism. Oh my gosh, guys, I've got some good information. And if you checked out the last show I did with New York Patriot and Jack from Conspiracy or Just a Coincidence, we went over some stuff about Mormonism because apparently the Patriot and his bud Lux on the Occult Rejects have done some shows on Mormonism, which I wasn't aware of because I've been out of the loop for a while. So I'm sure they've done great work. But I hope to bring you some more information, some different information. And there might be some similar facts as well. Anyway, I love you guys. Peace out. Cheers and blessings. And remember, their order is not our order. See you guys.